0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast. The podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film... We're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of
2: Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hi guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Fighting on Film. Today we're going to be discussing the classic Battleground, a 1949 film directed by uh, William Wellman, and it was an Oscar winner.
1: Mm, yeah very famous film of its day it's everything that the battle of the bulge isn't really it's actually a decent film (laughs) more than a decent film Yeah, it's
2: it's night and day really isn't it it's 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 a much better film
1: just from the the outset it's very clear what the film is well it actually tells the battle story it
2: it tells the story of the battle it isn't just a random story set within the period of the battle of the bulge the 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 location the general area uh, it's an actual narrative telling of the experience of one small group of men fighting in Bastogne in the Battle of the Bulge. The the, the movie we only see like Bastogne for thirty seconds, and it's to shoehorn in that iconic nuts line from you know uh, General uh, McAuliffe when it. he you know replies to the German call for for a surrender. But at least in Battleground, we we actually get to see Bastogne itself.
1: The whole film centered around Bastogne, not all of the men just a one platoon isn't it 101st airborne uh and i think it's the
2: they make it make a point of saying it's the glider uh battalion of the 101st That's it. yeah and it's and it's like c company or number three company or uh, sorry th- uh, number
1: three platoon when they um mount up to go into into combat the uh, the sergeant goes "Ah, oh, trucks instead of gliders this time <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. So, yeah, you know, it's full of good lines. This movie, it is actually, yeah, there's quite a few good ones. Um, it was made by MGM, um, 1949. Uh, then, you know, the memory of the war is still very, very fresh in people's minds. Mm. And this film was, it wasn't slated to do badly, but it definitely wasn't slated to do as well as this did. Right, right. Getting nominated for five Oscars, winning two Oscars, cinematography and writing. It reevaluated to the studios that a war movie could be a an award winner. So right. I think after this, you see a, a sea change and this is a sort of a pioneer.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's easy to 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 forget that there've been a lot of war movies made during the war as, you know, as morale efforts or, you know, as, as propaganda. And then after the war, I suppose they, the studios thought, well, now everyone wants to see westerns and comedies and, you know, a, little bit, a mm. bit of lightheartedness. They perhaps aren't, or, or cinema going audiences aren't going to be too interested in a gritty war movie. And apparently Battleground proved that that wasn't the case, that audiences were interested in it. And I think Mm. I read somewhere that Battleground was like the most successful film for for the
1: studio in like five years. I think it made upwards of four million. No small change back then. It's like the 1917 of its day. The amount of Oscars that it's nominated for today, this would be a, a, a blockbuster pick of the day. The acting as well is really
2: good. It is. It's a, it's a good cast. It's not a cast full of like well-known people. I did also read that people like Robert Mitchum and, um, and a couple of other well fairly well-known actors yeah. were initially attached, but it, it swapped studio when one studio wasn't interested in producing
1: it. It was meant to be done on RKO Pictures, um, mm. but it, it swapped to MGM. And I think at the time, certain actors only work for certain studios. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't get the big name. Like Robert Mitchum, I think he might have been a bit, Needless in this film, really, because Van Johnson, your main man, he was huge at the time. Um, He was, I think, he was third at the box office. Big draw, yeah. Big, big draw. But the movie uses him quite well, though. I don't think they definitely don't pin the whole film on him.
2: No, it's quite an ensemble piece, really, isn't it? Mm. When you think about it, considering that the cast isn't, you know, big names, but they're, you know, they're good supporting actors. Definitely. You got um, James Whitmore in there, who's who's great as a sort of like grizzled Sergeant Kinney. um,
1: Sergeant, yeah. He's very Mm -hmm. um, archetypal sergeant isn't he? He's chewing tobacco. Things that like, we'll talk about more about him later. You've got uh, cliches of soldiers in this movie. You've got like an old guy who's waiting to be ship back, to, Retire, the, yeah, shit back like, to the States. Get his discharge. That's it. You've got a guy who lives in Los Angeles, Rodriguez. Played by
2: uh, Ricardo Montalban, who was famously Khan in Star Trek, Wrath of Khan. Oh, well,
1: there you go. Which
2: is the best Star Trek movie. Khan
1: on the bulge. Khan Dens. Sorry. Khan
2: <laughs> <laughs> Den, Oh my God. And then there's a couple of other faces that you recognise but can't put a name to instantly. Directed by uh, William Wellman, as I mentioned, who was a uh, World War One fighter pilot for the uh, American Expeditionary Force, wow. which is pretty cool. Yeah, probably well known for his, his 1927 film Wings.
1: Yep. He uh, picked up the first ever Best Film Oscar for that. Wow, I didn't know yeah, that. That's yeah. cool. Which and then, yeah, the, the pedigree this movie has, the sort of the, the people who are involved in it, it's no wonder it did did as well as it did when you think about it. Well, yeah, I mean, well, Wellman on his own had directed
2: like a series of really like well-received films, you know, like Public Enemy with uh, James Cagney oh, yeah. and uh, A Star is Born, which won an Oscar. You know, the, the, the direction and the cinematography of, of Battleground, despite being filmed in a studio, I suppose when you think about it, like that fog, the snow, the enclosed space of the Ardennes mm. with the trees, it's all very claustrophobic anyway.
1: Yeah, it lends itself to a a studio piece Um, unlike the battle of the bulge which chose to shoot on location rightly or wrongly in spain in spain yeah famously in spain (laughs) you don't need to know that you know that it's the Ardennes because it's snowy there are trees everywhere it's foggy it's clearly the ardenne it feels cold it feels cold yeah it does unlike the battle
2: of the bulge it feels cold you can feel when like james whitmore's sergeant kenny is like struggling with his like trench bitten feet you yeah. know and he's stumbling around and mm. we get those really nice close-up shots of his feet like shuffling through snow that's it yeah and you, and you just you just feel like the you know the unpleasantness of being stuck in the in the middle of the ardennes mm. in the dead of winter and having to survive basically
1: and they also do a, a better job in this movie of conveying their cold than the bulge yes in the battle of the bulge film they all just had on M43 jackets, and that was it. But in this film, they've got their long johns, they've got their jumper, they've got mm. their M43 on. Then they've got their great coat on, and if they're lucky, they might even have a blanket over over that. And they
2: discuss like uh, goulashes as well. You know, like rubber boots and stuff.
1: Gotta get your goulashes, guys. We're going up to the front. They they all do talk like that. I'm not I'm not just taking the piss. For once, Robbie's American accent is right on right on the money even van johnson he's like oh boy like come on guys
2: yeah they're kind of you could sort of describe them as being uh, a little bit caricaturist but i think it's more of a pastiche so it was written by um robert pirosh yep. who was a uh, a combat veteran that was you know he fought during the battle of the bulge he wasn't with the 101st no um but he was a combat veteran yeah and he was involved in the units that pushed through to relieve baston
1: yeah and that, that's echoed at the end of the film as well isn't it when they
2: mm, push through. So I I think a lot of a lot of the the writing is is based on his own personal experiences and he would have known how people spoke to each other.
1: Yeah yeah when they're being soldiers for want of a better term you know they're, they're interacting with officers taking orders they're very soldierly but when they're with their mates the banter camaraderie they're taking the mickey out of army sayings and things you know they keep going i found a life in the army yeah
2: yeah that's one of the lines they'd like to repeat for hours yeah and
1: it's um it's
2: a funny line you
1: know they're they're making a mockery of why they signed up you know at the start they go oh remember the the lieutenant that said any man that leaves his gas mask in normandy is going to be up for a court-martial and they all laugh because they've not had a gas attack. They're all saying,
2: use your gas mask for extra. Yeah, like they're carrying cognac in, in the yeah. respirator but cases. aren't Came like-
1: in lucky for that cognac were liberated. And then when they get in the truck to disembark for stone the um, the same lieutenant comes up to the new guys and is like, make sure you got your gas masks. Could save your life. Save your life one day, kid. And they all look at each other like, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah, and there's that great scene of them
2: sort of like marching into the Ardennes and they're, they're starting to like feel the weight of their packs and, you know. You just, you just start seeing like gas masks oh, landing ditch. on the, you know, the side of the road in the ditch. Yeah, yeah, it's great.
1: It's great. But those, um, those gas mask bags that the Americans have, you could fit a lot of stuff in them. A lot of gas masks got slung, didn't they? So it's a nice little inclusion. Yeah. I mean, you can tell someone wrote this with care, wrote this with a respect foremostly, I think. And Allah, theirs is the glory. Twenty um, veterans, 101st Airborne veterans, were brought in. To um, whip the actors into shape at a boot camp.
2: Veterans were paired up with a member of the cast and they just like ran them through, like how they would have. I mean, some of the cast were actually servicemen. I'd say Whitmore was a Marine.
1: To go into the plot a little bit more. It simply is the story of these guys going into Bastone, their experiences of that action. I think it's done very, very well. Um, it tells the story of the Battle of the Bulge from their perspective, which makes it a tighter film and it makes you care more because of Battle of the Bulge. I mean, we're going to do a lot of comparison, I think. But I think you have to
2: really, don't you? You can't, you can't discuss this without referencing how bad yeah. Battle of the Bulge actually is.
1: There's too many characters in that for me to yeah. care. And famously, I really didn't care about anyone in that film. But I really end up rooting for these guys. Yeah, you become invested. Really do. Because they've all got their own little story. They've all got their own reasoning for what they're fighting so the older GI, he's... um, What was it, Matt? What was it called? He's
2: waiting on his uh, uh, dependency discharge for his sick wife. So he's going to go it. home and look after his wife.
1: Yeah, and he's really excited. Yeah, he's, he, he cannot
2: wait to get out. Yeah. I
1: think he's called Pop, <laughs> um, isn't he?
2: Yeah, they call him like Pap or Pop throughout. Like, it's just like reference to how like he's older than the rest of them. Mm. The character development within the film, so much better than the Battle of the Bulge. Oh, like yeah. The characters in the Battle of the Bulge sort of like spiral around, almost sort of like devolve rather than evolve. Mm. But whereas with Battleground, you know, we we see um, Van Johnson's character step up into the, the NCO role NCO, that he doesn't yeah. really want.
1: He's PFC, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he's a bit of a Jack the Lad, um, not too interested in being a, an NCO and, you know, gets thrust into the role yeah. when, the, when, the, when the, the squad leader gets...
1: Wounded. When he gets um, promoted, um, he says, where's your helmet, kid? And he goes, oh, I lost it, sir. And he goes, try this on for size, Sarge. And it's very, uh, it's cheesy, but it's it not at the same time. Like, I can forgive this movie for any of its cheesiness, any of its humour that doesn't quite land, possibly, because it's not the Battle of the Bulge film. Like, it just gets a free pass. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know,
2: Paul made an interesting point about, so like, the caricature nature of some of the characters in in uh, Battleground When we were discussing the the Battle of the Bulge film on the the Homebrew Podcast a, yeah. a, a few weeks ago, he he was saying that this film is sort of like the the beginning of of some of those like stereotypes that evolve in war movies. You know, like uh, the, yeah. the grizzled veteran that's waiting to retire. You know, the the young idealistic replacement. You know, the grizzled yeah. sergeant. You know those sort of like archetypal stereotypes mm. that have been perpetuated throughout war movies, or probably, probably since like you know during the during the actual war itself when Definitely. when the drama was sort of like emerging and evolving on mm. the cuff.
1: I think also for me, it it struck me as one of the few movies that I've seen about GIs that is quite conscious of portraying them as civilian soldiers as well you know they all have lives back home they do mention their wives they mention their jobs previous mm. all things like that and it reminded me that they're human beings it is very yes. respectful um and it shows their foibles as well you know they they keep saying how you can get yourself invalidated out if you've got less than six teeth or something you can leave yeah that guy that has like false teeth
2: and he's can't find his false teeth in the
1: snow <laughs> yeah and he keeps clicking, and yeah. that's his whole thing. They've all got their little quirks. They do, they? yeah. And
2: there's that, you know, there's the the sort of like country bumpkin stereotype, where he's like,
1: come at that, eye, yippee, yeah. He keeps eye. singing that, and you know,
2: and he's like, that's for dang sure, you know, and
1: that's for sure, that's for dang exactly. sure. So you get all these
2: kind of <laughs> little quirky parts of these They're characters. aren't they? Oh, yeah. So that that, that immediately gives the, the the writing of the film is is instantly better than anything in the Battle of the Bulge.
1: Yeah, it's conversational language is, mm-hmm. is way better. And you learn a lot more about the, the war at, at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's more nuanced. A lot more nuanced. You know, you haven't got that, to quote the, the scene in Battle of the Bulge, a man doesn't pick up an MP44 and go, oh, what the hell's that? Throws it away and it moves on. Oh, I know, uh, that terrible
2: intelligence officer. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, in this movie, they shout to a Frenchman, where are we? And he goes, oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, oh, God, you know, even he doesn't know where they are. You only know as much as they know, and I—I I feel that as a narrative structure is always better mm. than about the Bulge movie, assuming that everyone watching knows about this action. I would much rather learn what's going on along with the characters rather
2: than finding out in thirty minutes of exposition in a bunker.
1: We even find out the town name that they're in because they don't ever say they're going to Perstone. No. Secret orders, rip off your patches.
2: Yeah, that's a nice touch in of itself. You know, it is. Rip your, rip, yeah, rip your patches off, then put your patches back on. They're digging the foxholes in one position, then having to move to another as soon as they are almost you know finish with that foxhole, they have to go and dig mm. in elsewhere. So it's these little yeah. little plot points that they hammer home some of the realism. Yeah, some of the realism, some of the, some of the aspects that yeah. you don't think about.
1: It wins cinematography Oscar, and quite rightly so. Some of the shots in this film are. All really really well done just i'm just from a film making point of view this movie splices in real footage from the battle itself it does yeah but it does it so well i would say it's the best example of splicing in stock footage that i've seen there's a shot maybe people who are listening will know what i mean and maybe they won't but there's a shot of men moving up to the line and it's a mid shot yeah and they're walking up a road then it cuts to the film, to Battleground, mm. and it's implied it's the same men walking into shot. But because it goes from a mid to a close, it's so seamless that you don't even notice. And I only noticed it on the like third watch of the movie that that was stock footage because it was so well done. So apparently some of it was filmed in,
2: in Northern California in the hills. I think what they've done very cleverly there is they've melded in those long shots of stock footage with some closer shots of them you know, actually outdoors, where you can see a lot more of the, you know, the terrain. And yeah. then it sort of melds into those studio shots where it's claustrophobic, it's close. Yeah. There's no need for, for for backdrops because the trees no. are there. The trees are the backdrops.
1: That's and that's all you need. Yeah. They're, when they're driving up, there's a shot of a, a military policeman giving directions. That's from 44. But you only it's only a five second clip, but that's all you need. It's all you need to know that they're moving up to the line. But it works so well. It does. Whoever was staging those shots, whoever cinematographer, did a fucking good job. Paul Vogel
2: was the uh, cinematographer.
1: Just to jump ahead, I, like, I think I'll
2: discuss like what my favourite scene is, because that's one of the scenes that the cinematography is so clever. Sure. So there's a scene near the end of the film where the platoons dug in, and the sergeant, uh, Sergeant Kenny, uh, James Whitmore, and the, the platoon leader, the, the lieutenant, they realise that the Germans are advancing on a couple of sides, and there's no nowhere yeah. for them really to go. Um, they're dug in. Each shot is a sort of medium close shot of of the men fixing their bayonets. They're grim faced. You know they know what's coming. They're laying out grenades next to you know whatever ammunition yeah, yeah. they have left. Whitmore's up on this sort of like snowy mound, looking out, and you know he's, he's looking he's watching the enemy come on, and he tells them to hold their fire. You know let them come close because they they're, they're going to come close. And at that moment, the clouds part, and we get this beautiful, like, shadow that's cast over Whitmore. It's the, the outline of tree branches, et cetera. And it's at that point you realize the cloud cover that's enabled the, the German offensive to, you know, be carried out without...
0: Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness...
2: allied air superiority in you know interdicting it Mm. is gone that cloud is is breaking up and that's kind of like the point of the moment of salvation and you know whitmore's ecstatic and the squad individually realizes and they go from this like grim like determination to just being ecstatic that
1: pure joy isn't it
2: yeah that you know they're going to get air support they're going to get resupply those scenes follow on and there's you know there's some nice uh stock footage it's a great montage as well speaking of montages the film rounds off combining stock footage and close-ups of the characters yes yes you know you know some of them firing on the move like like i think the sergeants are like, giving orders but over the top of it it's sort of like spliced in with footage of like artillery firing mortars firing yeah um and then 1919 rattling off a belt you know there's all these yep. like, little
1: well, iconography isn't it
2: it is, and yeah. it's it's indicating that there's a push, there's an there's a pushback, the counter-attacking. Yeah. The situation is, you know, becoming more stable.
1: Because that's another thing as well that 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 sequence is probably the the most action that we really have in one big go. The the action scenes in the film are very sporadic. Yes. Um, and that echoes fighting that was happening around that area. It was very sporadic fighting because of the weather. But then once, obviously, the once the fog cleared, and it erupts into this cacophony of sound and mo and picture, it's a really nice way of of showing the the fight back without having to extend the movie by like another hour. Yeah, it's, it's very clever cinema making. The sound design in the movie is just fantastic. It's the only film where the, there's no grand ping. No, and I actually really really like that
2: <laughs> because there's plenty of close-ups of of them, you know, rapid firing into the trees and yeah, ambushing some uh, German German troops and Mm. Because you wouldn't hear individual sounds no, like that of course in a not. firefight. You know that myth of the the Garand ping is heavily overdone. It's mm. you know it's not the case that Germans waited for, to hear the ping to like attack. It's not true because you wouldn't hear that over a, a squad of M1 Garands firing. You're not going to hear individual like no. the clatter of a of a en bloc yeah. clip coming out of an m M1 Garand receiver. It's just yeah. not going
1: to happen. I would wager as well. This is before Garand ping was even a was even a trope. So Matt, um, do you think it's time for the alley tally? Let's do it. Have you got an alley pick this week? I think my my
2: pick for uh, the alley tally this week would be the um, the M forty five quad fifties opening up Ooh. when the Germans bomb Bastogne. Yeah. how often do you see an m45 quad 50 going at it you just don't see it in films like yeah, no. that, that blew me away i was like i was not expecting that to, to pop up if you're not familiar with what an m45 quad 50 is it's basically four 50 caliber machine guns mounted on a um electronic powered mount that allows you know that the four guns to sort of like track fast moving aircraft and these things put out about 2000, 2,300 rounds per minute. Blimey! Yeah, <laughs> they, they put out significant firepower, yeah. and you get a you get yeah. a couple of nice little shots of that in 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 battleground. Yeah. And there's a nice little bit where they go, well, that's it, you know, and like because they run out of ammo.
1: Yeah, because it's <laughs> it goes through it so quick. Yeah. But that's that's my pick for this week. That's a great little pick. I love it. My uh, my ally pick this week is basically everything that sergeant kinney either does or is wearing or has about <laughs> his person he, he's walking alley from the minute you sort of first see him he comes into the tent he's got a safety pin doing up his great coat i think he's got blankets or something wrapped around his feet and he's chewing tobacco and he like spits tobacco every time he talks yeah, he's chewing that he's chewing that tobacco constantly isn't he and then i thought oh this man can't get any more alley like he just can't get any more alley. You know, the way he talks, the way he is with his men and that kind of thing. And then yeah. later on in the movie, he brushes some snow off of his Thompson. Mm-hmm. And he had jungle mags. Considering, well, you're not in the jungle for one. So I was like, <laughs> okay, buddy. And I was thinking, that's got to be the worst thing to have in a muddy, snowy environment. Well, he just he wanted those rounds on hand. He did, So, yeah.
2: For the listener's benefit, if you don't know what a uh, jungle mag is, it's two magazines taped together with one the reverse of the other. So once you empty one magazine, you can you can drop that mag, swap the mag around and set the underneath one. It's it's highly alley. It's an alley drill. It really is. Yeah. A, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a pro move.
1: But Even the way he fires his Thompson as well. Like he does that whole, he does this bit where he's like, I think he's shooting at some men that are running through a clearing, mm. but he's sort of behind a little hillock, but he sort of leans up and does like a sort of gangster style, like gives him a burst. It clearly someone who has used a Thompson before because they know exactly what they're doing. Like He clearly was ex-Marine.
2: For the discerning viewer, you'll notice that that's an M1928A1 Thompson. Yep. And you can tell that by the fact that it has the cocking handle on the top of the receiver, not the bottom of the receiver. And it also has a cuts compensator as well, which the M1 and the M1A didn't really have because, you know, cost cutting. Yeah. I think a cuts compensator was like $5. Ooh,
1: can't spend that on our valent GIs. <laughs> top alley this week
2: honorable mention to the um the m1919 a6 uh, that was pretty good pretty nice to, to be included you, that again like the m45 quad mount you don't really see no
1: you don't 1919
2: a6 is very no, often no. in films no so it's always a bar we do see a bar very yep. briefly but we yep. don't really see one firing
1: no you don't it's nice that sort of all the winter gear you see as well that's really well done mm. um i just like the I like all the individual touches, like some men have scarves, some don't. Some men have got yeah. genuine GI issue, um, winter gloves. Some just have wooden mm. gloves, probably sent from home.
2: Another atmospheric touch that I liked that made you feel the cold was uh, when the guy can't open up his bandolier
1: oh, to yeah, pull out an on-block yeah. clip. That's it, yeah. Because it's
2: frozen. Yeah, I like that. And someone has to like come and bring him a, you know bring him some ammo. Mm-hmm. He just can't get it open. And there's a, that other guy that can't can't get the uh, the action of his M1 Garand open either because yeah. it's, it's frozen.
1: Matt's done his favourite scene. So what's yours, Robbie? Well, my favourite scene is... Well, I say his favourite scene. It's more like a favourite section because it it, mm. it keeps coming back. Van Johnson, who's called Holly. So Holly and the uh, replacements are put on watch. What's the password? Oh, it's jitterbug. So they know the password. So these guys come out of the clear, out of the mist and the fog and uh, the the replacement goes oh the jitter bug um so they they meet the guys and they're asking like where they are and they, obviously the replacement's yeah. just willing to tell the the lieutenant like where they are so he goes oh is there a bridge up there he goes oh yeah just like down the road there there's a bridge and van johnson is just looking sort of a bit apprehensively like yeah okay but he doesn't really say anything because obviously why would he and then later on, they go, Oh, the bridge was blown up. They must have been German commandos.
2: Yeah, what I like about that scene is he's Van Johnson's character's like, What an idiot. Why is he wearing his tabs? You know, his, his rank insignia on patrol. On patrol, yeah. Must be new. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he says he must, be, he must be new. Must be new. Johnson's character sort of like is quite savvy and they encounter Germans, Yeah. the, the fifth columnist infiltrators again later, don't they, in the woods? That's it. Um, when they're on a three man patrol and you know, he clocks immediately that they aren't American. Yeah.
1: Well, that leads into my favourite scene. Um, Van Johnson, Rodriguez character, and the, I think it's the new guy, they're, they've they won this patrol. So they're in this little clearing. This Jeep comes out of nowhere, and they stop it. And there's a major in the Jeep. Van Johnson goes, what's the password? Texas. The like sergeant in the Jeep with the major goes, Liga, Texas Liga. And he goes, yeah, I'm not asking you. Like, what are you, what's a Texas Liga to the major? Yeah. And he goes... Oh, some sort of baseball term. <laughs> they just go into all this, um, like this Americana dialogue, saying like, yeah. "Oh, what actors with with what actress? Um, you know, what's a Texas Liga? How did the Dodgers do this year? It's all yeah, very... there's baseball, there's sports
2: stuff. There's you know, like popular culture questions yeah. back and forths.
1: Yeah, when they don't think the GI Major is is an actual American Van Johnson, that's going sprechen Sie Deutsch. <laughs> Yeah. americana americana he probably like hands it up um just it's, it's really funny scene but the reason i like it so much is because it's everything that the battle of the Bulge got wrong and the fact that this guy's a major and then they have this like really funny chat about oh no you actually got it wrong like that actors with another actress and then they yeah. drive off that's all you need <laughs> it's just great comic relief well apparently
2: that that's based on a you know a real uh, event when a, uh, a brigadier general got stopped because he, he was asked about, I think it was something about the Chicago Cubs and he answered wrong and he was held up for quite a while. Yeah. So, you know, there's a brigadier general getting held up. Yeah, and obviously baseball is thought, Well, battle. maybe perhaps a brigadier general
1: is a little bit too much. We'll make it a major. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that Those German commandos, they do end up having a firefight with. They're the first villains that you encounter, but I just think they are done so much better than Battle of Bulge. Well, Battle of the Bulge is so on the nose with oh, God, it, you know, yeah. when they
2: introduce them. I don't know. It's just not handled well. And of course, like, Scorsese's commandos didn't really play that much of a role in the battle anyway. They I mean, weren't actually in
1: Bastone. No, they weren't. But I also like the fact the movie cares to say that the Germans dropped some paratroops because they did. Mm. But they famously, mm. it was a bit of a bungled drop. And they a lot of their kit they didn't get. So you have men running around with just their pistols and things like that. Mm. And they held out for a few days until they, they gave themselves up, I think. Um, a few of them did. And a few of them walked back to German lines. But it was nice that it mentioned it, because whoever the, the scriptwriter had done his research, which was nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think it was called Operation Grief. That was it, Operation Grief. Which was was Scorsini, Otto Scorsini mm. leading... Um, well, he was given command of an SS brigade, wasn't he? Which famously was... Or infamously, I should say, was involved in the Malmody massacre. Uh, yeah, um, which is hinted at in this film. It is actually.
1: Yeah,
2: the uh, Leighton, the 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 replacement, sort of says, "I've heard that. Is it true that the Germans are killing prisoners? Killing
1: prisoners? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: that's the that's even that's a better handling of Malmody than the the it film Battle of yeah. the Bulge does, because it just hints at it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't profess to to know the full details yeah. and.
1: Yeah, it just—I think it's just—it's just done more tastefully, isn't it? That's all you need. Mm. That's all you need. Someone's like, "Oh God, I've, I've heard this horrific thing that's happening." Someone goes, "Yeah, it probably might be true." You know, that's all you need.
2: But yeah, like Operation Grief wasn't really super successful, mm. sort of infiltration. Like, I think maybe like ninety German commandos infiltrated the lines. Right.
1: Is it um, a lot when you think about whole, the whole front?
2: No, not really. And no. the plan was to capture bridges south of yeah. of uh, Bastogne mm.
1: on the Meuse. It wasn't the success that the Battle of the Bulge makes out no. in the film. <laughs> no, you think there were thousands of them. That's for sure. <laughs> Just one last thing that I really enjoyed from a um, script writing point of view was when the padre is giving his sermon. Mm. Really somber, really sincere dialogue. I yeah. um, it has a lot yeah. to say about war and 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 the men fighting it. And he says don't let anyone tell you that you were a sucker because you fought fascism. And then they, they're going to pray, do the Lord's Prayer, but the artillery starts going up, going off. And he goes, all mm. right, oh, the, the good Lord has made it, so um it's too loud for me to give my sermon, so why doesn't everybody pray to their own God in their own way? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's it. And I, that scene so is just... a great little scene. And it even shows that the Padre is suffering from the cold because it pans down to his feet and he's just wearing like wraps around his feet. It shows that everyone's suffering, which I just thought was a nice little sentiment, nice scene.
2: Yeah, that is a good scene. Another one of those nice nuanced scenes, I thought, is near the end where they're calling on the walking wounded to uh, draw rifles and head to the front. Yeah. Because the situation's getting dicey. Yeah. And in the hospital, one man says to one one of the squad members that's been wounded in the shoulder that he isn't qualified on the M1 Garand. Like the last time he fired a rifle, it was the nineteen oh three Springfield. Um yeah. which is entirely plausible. Yeah, like rear echelon yeah. troops, you know, the the M one grand only entered service in, in nineteen thirty-seven through to yeah. thirty-nine. That was when it was feeding in. And you know, when the war began, a lot of troops were still armed with nineteen oh three. Some units went to war with the Springfield, yeah. That was a nice little mm. thing to include, like this rear echelon soldier. And that reinforces that All hands the idea pump. that these troops are being thrust mm. into the into yeah. the line. And it's a dire situation. And that's good narrative storytelling without having to do exposition. Yeah. Whereas in the Battle of the Bulge. Again. <laughs> uh, Charles Bronson's like, you know, he's he's like, grab your rifle. Uh, you're in the infantry now. Kind of like um, his little snappy lines he has. Whereas, you know, with this, like, it's a serious situation. Like, it's but, like, we need someone you. Someone walks into the hospital and says, draw a rifle if you can. As they're walking up to the line, he's explaining how an M1 works.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, him. yeah
2: which is another nice touch.
1: Yeah, and he's wearing, I think he's even wearing his helmet the wrong way around. Yeah, maybe he is. We can't talk about Battleground without talking about the, the ending. And they're really tired now. You know, they've been fighting for days. And they're at the side of the road, and the relief columns coming up. Real Shermans, unlike Brown of the Bulge. That's not a Shaffy. That's a real Sherman. <laughs> that's a real Sherman. Oh, I'm not a, I'm not a Shaffy. I'm a real Sherman. Sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um so there's a Sherman with loads of troops laden on it, and they all shout, "Oh, we got any spare cigarettes, pal?" You know, and they all chuck them sit c- cigarettes, and they give the the battered sergeant a, a cigar. And he's like, gee, mm-hmm. thanks. You know, it's like the first time he it's the first time he's shown any real emotion for days. Such a lovely little change for him. Um, and he just instantly like starts chewing on it. Officers get in this jeep and drive off. He he walks back from this Jeep and they all look at him and he's standing there in front of them. They think, Oh god, we're gonna be pushed back up to the line.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so he says, right, everyone on your feet, you know, guys, come on shows you them like dead on their feet you know yeah but they're resigned to it aren't they they're they're, they're gonna they're willing to do perfectly it perfectly happy to do it I and mean, obviously yeah they've yeah. got no choice and then and then the sergeant just goes about face and they all like their eyes light up and they start mm-hmm. marching off um and they see the fngs coming down the hill and there you goes so something says something like come on guys you want to show these you want to show these guys who's who's the who's boss and they start singing their marching song and that's how the movie ends, and I love it. Brilliant end to the film. Um, they get a reprieve. They finally get to go home or we'll go get some rest. So, Matt, any any final thoughts on Battleground?
2: I think it's just a um, a far superior telling of the story of the Battle of the Bulge than any other film has ever really done. Mm. Band of Brothers does a decent job.
1: Yeah, the, the two standout episodes um, for me are are the Bulge episodes. I think mm, they're the, the well done. Um,
2: but I think they they owe a lot to Battleground. I think
1: it, there's a lot of cues from Battleground in there. Mm. Um, well, they're the hunt, the from Hundred First, aren't they? So exactly, and it's it's that
2: vibe. It's that vibe that you that they create with the claustrophobic nature of the, the fog yeah. and the trees and
1: frantic fighting. And the snow. Yeah, yeah, really well done. Um, and it's it's a great film. We thoroughly recommend it here at Foff HQ again. If you haven't seen it, it's it's well worth a watch over this festive period. I think this is uh, Fartingham film, signing off once more. Uh, please uh, leave a review, a like, a subscription on whatever you're listening on, um, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Thanks for listening, guys. Ta-ta. Three,
2: One, two, three, four, one, two. Three, four. Your baby was lonely as lonely could be. Till Jody provided company. Ain't it great to have a
0: pal. Who works so hard to keep up morale. Sound up. One, two. Sound up. Three, four. Kids count. One, two, three.